to always get the latest Game Tea, do not forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at The Game Tea Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter at Game Tea Podcast X. We post memes, gaming news, retweet friends of the pod, and of course, let you know when new episodes are available for your listening pleasure. Links are all available in the description of this episode, so check them out after the show, and thank you so much for listening to The Game Tea Podcast. How are the mics? Do we have hot mics? I does has a hot mic. Perfect. Jez. Yeah. How's your mic? See, here's the thing. Why is it always a thing with you? There's always a thing. You know, <laughs> if you guys could start a conspiracy, what 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 conspiracy would you start if you could just if you could get a conspiracy to spread like to a niche group of people across the country, what would you want to spread? It would be about myself, and it would be that I sell feet pics on OnlyFans. <laughs> you want to spread that across the country? Yeah. Correct. Okay. I mean, that sounds more like advertising. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's like, I don't necessarily know if that's a conspiracy per se, but... Uh, it's something wacky. Well, <laughs> listen, people only ask questions like these so that I have to, out of obligation, ask you, what would your conspiracy theory be, Chez? I don't know. Um, I guess... Oh, man. On the spot? On God? Uh, <laughs> if I had to pick one thing, I you know that... Uh, who's the guy that supposedly put a gerbil up his butt? You're gonna have to get more specific. Richard, was that Richard Gear? Was that Richard Gear or something? I was thinking South Park. Yeah. <laughs> Is, did somebody do this? An actual? Yeah, this is a real thing that happened. It's like uh, Richard Gear. Yeah, it's 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 not really like a true story. It's like just a Hollywood conspiracy kind of. But I'd like to spread that about Tucker Carlson, and I'd like to spread it that he does it. <laughs> all the time <laughs> just on air like multiple gerbils on multiple weeks you know I can get behind that I like that conspiracy theory <laughs> and what's the the best part is he'd have to prove that he doesn't do that he wouldn't have to but boy would it be funny if a lot of people believed that he did because <laughs> <laughs> people believe a lot crazier things you know people believe that JFK Jr. is coming back he didn't die in a plane crash and he's gonna run with donald trump in 2024 so nobody believes that do do they my guy is that a thing my guy czar gave you one of his tinfoil hats didn't he my guy that a lot of people believe that it started as a QAnon conspiracy which is always great obviously yeah and uh then you know it just kind of latched on to a very specific group of Trump supporters, and uh, here we are. Can we do our podcast now? <laughs> I mean, Zar hasn't said what conspiracy he wants to spread, but after that, yeah. Um, I was gonna go along the lines of a conspiracy where the 
Cheerios mascot, I think his name is Buzz or something, is in league with the Keebler elves. And, and that, that was it. <laughs> There's going to be some bad shenanigans after that. When cereal and cookies come together. It's not good. I was really hoping you were going to say, I also want to talk about JP's feet. <laughs> Ooh, that too. I, yeah, that, that, that's a close second. The hot, it's the hot topic. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but like my brain auto filled when, as soon as you said Honey Nut Cheerios buzz, I was like, I, I want to spread the conspiracy that the Honey Nut Cheerios mascot's <laughs> name is actually Buzz Fuckington. <laughs> and that's it. That's the end of the conspiracy. <laughs> that's, that's all there is. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Game Tea Podcast. My name is JP. I'm Peaches. And I'm Zar. So Zach is not here to join us today. In fact, it's kind of a weird day in general. I'm not used to recording on Wednesday. I don't feel in the zone, boys. I'm going to be honest with you. It's weird. It's weird. I tried my best to get you all in the zone. I think that was a great way to get in the zone. And you just throw on my attempts in the in the trash. It was a mood for sure. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to be testing out a new schedule here. The reason why is because we miss our segments. So what we are going to be doing is every other week is going to be a segment from here on out. And then every week after that is going to be news. Did I say that right? Is that? Yeah. So like one week news, one week segment. Yeah. So it's not often that Czar gets to host, but today we're just going to be doing a simple game review to get back into the motion of doing segments. So Czar. What game are we talking about today? We are talking about Dying Light 2, and I am so excited. I've been hyped for this game for three years, and finally, after getting my hands on it, I've played it start to finish. Everyone else here today has played it. Um, Well, actually, you know, I'm not quite sure what your guys' experiences are yet, so... I guess to open, how uh, how much Dying Light have you played? How human have you stayed? Uh, I'm in about 30 hours. So I got to the second town. I get uh, town, if you could call it that, I guess. Um, I'm with Lawan. Some shit just went down. And yeah, I it's weird because I don't want to say too much in case anybody's like super interested, but like, let's just say I'm like probably about to enter like phase three of the game. Like I'm getting close. You also uh, bring up a really good point about saying too much. Um, I think we should establish right now. We're going to be relatively spoiler free, like no major spoilers, but there will be tiny ish ones along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's just go with that. All right, so Chez, what has your experience been in the city? Um, I'm about 20 hours in. Uh, some shit just went down. Um, that still... happens every five minutes. You could say <laughs> some shit went down. I was I was just doing that to steal your line. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, I came up with that line. Nobody else can use it. It's mine. Yeah, I don't think anyone else has ever said that before. Never. um but yeah i mean i to be honest with you most of my experience in the game is just kind of running around and climbing up and parkouring around the city so which is fine because that's like half the fun right (laughs) of this game (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, just roaming. I mean, without a purpose, direction, goal. That's what makes this game beautiful. I love it about it. Anywho, the first topic we're talking about with Dying Light today is the graphics and art style. Um, Now, I played on, I guess, technically the past gen, so an Xbox One. I think, did you guys have it for the PC? I did. I believe Peaches did. I did PS5. This is actually interesting because we have five different graphical experiences here then. I remember that Peaches had made the comment when he had to play the first Dying Light that he didn't think the graphics were going to hold up, which is a fair criticism. Um, I feel the same way about Dying Light 2. Like, on a very... I guess you could call it like... the just superficial level at first like you're like wow this game looks really good and then you get closer to the textures of everything like the zombies and the people and the land and you're like um i thought it'd be a little better for next gen to be honest with you yeah so like that's kind of my that my spot is where like on a surface level it looks really really good but then the more you kind of play and look around the more you're like this is not going to age well yeah, and see, does that I, like does that make sense? I'm I'm really I don't know if I'm glad that you said that, but I thought that was just my experience because I was playing on past gen. Yeah. Um, but no, I guess like the individual leaves and like bits of trash and such, it it, it all just kind of looks like Dying Light One almost. And I mean, it's understandable for how big the game is, but that is right. It's like I want to I want to say this it doesn't look bad by any means like I'm not trying to say that the game looks bad I'm just trying to say that like it's not going to age well like yeah yeah no no no. it it looks fantastic the game does look beautiful even on the past gen I was I was amazed with what they could do um but yeah yeah it's just that looking closer on any game Peaches, how, how's your PC experience been? Well, specifically in terms of graphics and art style, obviously this game is taking the approach of trying to get the realistic graphics going. And that does not lend itself well to the test of time, typically. Right. You really have to be unique with it if you want your art style to stand up. And like be able to hold or sorry if you want your art style to be able to hold up um but the graphics for the time being i mean they're good enough like the thing is like i'm not inspect i'm not throwing on the monocle and inspecting every detail and right so you, you know as i'm just running through the game it's fine and i mean that's the great thing about the, the game is like you're spending so much time running around parkouring that you don't really get a chance to like really just stand there and go hey wait a minute this game looks like butt (laughs) (laughs) and that's the thing is it it doesn't look bad it doesn't it's it's where the graphics should be for the time yeah the faces the gore the action it all does what it should most of the time right and it's i don't know it I mean, the thing is, like, Peaches is right in saying that, like, a realistic-looking art style is typically the first to, like, see big degradation over time. 
But for a game like Dying Light in general, not just the second one, like, what else would they have done? I guess is the question. Like, the prettier they would have made, like, the whole point of Dying Light and Dying Light 2 is the fact that it's supposed to be this really fluid movement type game, right? With a big world to explore and no barriers. And the problem is, the prettier and shiner you make everything, the harder it's going to be for the game to run. So, like, in the grand scheme of things, I think they did a really great job of, like, balancing the art style and the graphics, if that makes sense. It's balanced. Because if you made it look any better, you would have had to give up on, like, performance. And for what the game is supposed to be, I don't think that would have been a good move. Right? I completely agree with you. In these big, these massive type games, open world, it's imperative that you pick and choose what looks good because if you make everything look good, it's going to cost you all of that processing power. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. Um, yeah. There, there were some visuals that I was a little bit questionable on. Like, um, I don't know if you guys have gotten into like the heart of the city and with the big skyscrapers, there will be wind that is generated that you can utilize for for traversion um, yes i've gotten there and it's it looks cool like it looks great this wind coming in from skyscrapers but it doesn't always work with wider textures like you follow that wind mm. stream and it's just a rectangle like you feel like you're in a tube of wind right and i, I don't know what they could have done with it but it's just something that i noticed so, I, yeah, I think that's like a good spot is like graphics did what it needed to do. It was OK, but I mean, like for a game that's as good as Dying Light 2, like especially I'm sure Peaches can agree with this as a guy who, you know, perpetually says that graphics are not everything in a game like for everything else that Dying Light 2 has to offer where the graphics are at. And it, again, the reason why this conversation is weird is because the graphics aren't even bad, man. They're not. It's just no. like. For next gen, it's not where I thought it would be. But for what it is now and what the game's trying to do, it works. You know? I'm just kind of bored of like the realistic graphics. Like when I see yeah. them, when I see them now, it doesn't like I don't dislike them. It just does nothing for me. You know, like I remember being amazed with the graphics back when like Modern Warfare 2 came out, or you know, when Crisis, what was it, Crisis 2 or Crisis 3 came out. And mm-hmm. like now I just I don't care about the ultra realistic graphics. Like it, it's fine. Like they, they look good. It just, it does nothing for me. Fair enough. Zarv, what do you think? You want to keep talking or you want to go on to characters? Let's go on to the characters because there are so many of them. So many notable characters in this story. Obviously we got to start with the most notable, um, the main character, I suppose. Aiden is, is this character's name. And right. I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but sounds a lot like the original character of Dying Light, which really confused me, which uh, original character's name was Kyle Crane, I believe. That's so funny you say that because I thought the same thing. I was like this. I thought it was the same voice actor at first. It might be. I don't know for sure. OK, so main character he is what is known in this world as a pilgrim, and that 
is basically a title given to people who travel across the wasteland because uh, following the events of the first game, world fucked up, zombies spread, and now there's only a handful of humans left. You know the song and dance. It's been done many, many times before. Um, But as a pilgrim, Aiden has seen vast reaches that no one in the city could even fathom. Not just the city, but like the entire world. Like Aiden within the game makes a point of saying that it's like he's been everywhere. Yeah, we we honestly don't know the extent of how far Aiden has traveled. But, you know, the studios behind Dying Light 2 have said that they have a bunch of story add ons coming for the next five years or something like that, maybe even ten So I'm really excited to find out anything more on Aiden's backstory, because life as a pilgrim sounds exciting as hell. Yeah, and I like I know you've beaten the games are, but I hope they do like elaborate more on the pilgrim aspect, because I'm going to be honest, that's the most interesting thing about Aiden, because other than that, he's kind of a wet sponge. Yeah, oh my God, he really is. He is your copy and paste main protagonist he definitely has main character syndrome yeah for sure my favorite thing about Aiden is like cause like most of what you do in this game is just fucking side quests right for these fucking just bozos that literally can't do shit for themselves they can't even cross the street literally and I like it when Aiden is like pissed off he's like I'm not gonna help you cause it's so easy to persuade him the other guy's like, come on, man. And that's all it takes. And Aiden's like, all right, how can oh, I help? I forgot to twist my arm. That's it. That's it. Like, that's all it takes for this guy. And it's just main character syndrome. And like a little blank, but I feel like the really big saving grace would have been giving snippets of his life as a pilgrim. Like super easy to do. Instead, they give like. I guess this is story driven, like the snippets of him trying to find his sister, which is like his goal in the game. And that's all I'll really say about that, which is very reminiscent of Batman trilogy movies. Where's Rachel? Mm -hmm. Where's Mia? Where's Rachel? Uh, I I should also clarify. um, I mean, main character syndrome in the terms of like he's the main character of a video game that's super boring because he has to be able to be everybody not main character syndrome as in you know those fucking annoying people that think they're the main character of life and so they're constantly you know centering themselves and everything I mean I got that okay I just feel like it's important <laughs> to clarify because oh that's a notable distinction that's that's good to know I mean it's just I'm going to be honest, Zar, like, it surprised me when you said a lot of notable characters, because I feel like that's actually a big weakness in the story is like not a lot of characters actually get my fleshed out personalities, right? Like, think er early game, like early, early game, right? You're still in the first city. Of course, we know Sean, but like, can you name three other characters that like have big stories to be told in the plot? Yeah. We know Sean. Yeah. Oh, not Sean. Sorry. I was going to say, who's Sean? Aiden. I, I want to keep calling him Sean, and I don't know why. No, his name's Aiden. Right? Besides Aiden, who else can you really be like, oh, this guy. I like this guy. Luan. 
for starters. Okay, but that's like mid game, I'd say, because like you don't meet Lawan really until you get to the second city. Hmm. Okay. So, Peaches, you are still in like the preliminary stages of the game. Name one character that stands out to you as a somewhat interesting character. <clears throat> yeah, I'm listening. All right, that's what I thought. <laughs> like, Just me? Oh, I fell I'm, in love with the characters. There's so many cool ones. I feel like every character is kind of the same. Hmm. Who's the brother and sister that you meet at the beginning then? I, I'm scratching my head for their name right now because I'm uh, so fucking tired. It's it's Sophie and... I want to say like Spencer. The guy looks like a Spencer. Something like that. He he looks like a, one of the bandits from Rage. I don't know if anybody ever played that game, well, but yeah, he... That yeah, I know who you're talking about. They're they're kind of interesting, but no, the the real interesting characters come from side quests down the line. Like I I got access to a quest line called Book Club, where I you meet two people in a library that are just really fun to talk to, and there are so many other strings of like side quest lines that are numbered one through ten. Like there's the Baba. Um, there's courier stuff. The, all these characters within those side quests are so cool to get to know. It's it just baffles me how you guys haven't met any notable characters. I mean, I'm sure I've met notable well, characters. Um, I just don't think any of them are interesting. But interesting, and uh, to the point where I don't remember their names after I've talked to them. Hmm. Like, Sophie is as interesting as it gets, right? But she falls under the extremely poorly written trope of my mom is dead and I'm trying to fill her shoes, right? It's just. You're definitely not wrong there. There are so many cliches hidden within this game. Not even hidden, just right front and center in this game. I don't know. It, that's just that's just my opinion. It's like you take like five main characters from each section of the game that stand out as like, okay, this is the main crew. These are the main people that I talk to, but like none of them have like exceedingly interesting personalities. And I'll get into why I'm not necessarily extremely bothered by that with a game like this here in a minute, but it's, I don't know, like what would have made this game much stronger in my opinion is filling it with characters that had just more interesting stories to be told that we haven't seen in a game like this before, right? That's just my opinion. It's like, the characters is like, in my opinion, the weakest part of this game. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't gotten far enough in the story, and also I don't want to spoil the story, but so far I'd say that's the same, I would say the same thing. I'm not, I'm not saying that there's nobody, you know, I'm just like, for a game that's supposed to take up to like 60 to 70, 80 hours for a playthrough, and it's like I'm 30 hours in and I can't even remember Sophie's brother's name. That's fair. Like, I remember that he was a douche. Yeah, I don't remember him either. Um, I would agree with you guys to the extent that characters might be the weakest part of this game. 
but I'm going to disagree with you guys highly on like the lack of interest and the lack of being able to remember certain characters. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay, that's fair. So I feel like that's a good segue then into the story. So, Zar, first of all, what's your opinion on this story relevant to the story in the first Dying Light? Which one do you kind of like more? The first story, I think, was definitely stronger. I said that characters may be the weakest, but it's really a battle between characters and story because the story was so kind of bleh, kind of predictable. Like each faction wants something. It's kind of obvious what that faction wants based off of what they do. Right. And then Aiden plays the whole where's where's Mia the whole game. Yeah. Exactly. The story is slightly better than like the characters, but like that's the weird thing is like story and characters generally go hand in hand, but like not always. Like I feel like this is a case where you can have a really compelling story and maybe the characters are a little bit more lackluster, but I totally agree with you that Dying Light 1 just had the more compelling story. Well, and I don't know. I don't know like the whole like in Dying Light One, like the trying to save the city and stop the outbreak, mixed in with the mechanics, like that was something really new. Because yeah. a lot of zombie games always start at the outbreak, but it shows everybody fucking panicking and trying to figure out where to go and what to do. But this in the first Dying Light, it's like, hey, this outbreak happened. We've got it contained. You need to figure out what the fuck happened and try and stop it. Spoiler alert: He doesn't. Yeah. Well. Yeah, no, he, he yeah, definitely doesn't. And it really sucks. Kyle does not stop it. <laughs> and it really yeah. hurts the sequel when the most interesting story that you are giving players is the fucking title screen. Like it's it's that cutscene that plays before it says press start for dying light two. Mm hmm. With the dominoes falling, you know, before you even hit a button. I wouldn't say that story is more interesting than, like, the, the... I, I get that that's hyperbole, but, like, I do feel like it's important to say that... that, that At um, least... The story is more interesting than what the title screen plays, for me, at least. I mean, yeah, obviously it was hyperbolic. Hyperbolic time chamber. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I totally... Yeah, absolutely, you're right. It's... Not near as interesting as the real story, but what what I'm saying is, is that the Dying Light 2 main storyline, no matter which way you play it, just kind of feels very cookie cutter to me. You know, like it's just copy and pasted from so many cliches in the past. Not not a strong part for me, not a strong point for this game. I will say definitely the story, it, the story feels weaker for sure even compared to Dying Light 1, and I didn't even get that far into Dying Light 1. I thought you beat it. No. Oh my god. I just I just played enough of it to get a good idea of it so I could do a review of it, but then, GP, I gotta play Rocket League. <laughs> oh my god. Don't forget about balloons. Here's what I will say about <laughs> Here's what I will say about this story. Um, What 
I think is the saving grace is I think all of the choices that you had to make, because there's a lot of different choices between the factions, they actually feel really impactful. The different choices that you make. That's something that I wasn't expecting is that like when you make a choice of like who to help or like this storyline or you have an option to do this or that, like they give you a lot of those options in the game. They all feel extremely impactful, which I did appreciate. Like, I am very aware of the fact that at the end of the day, you get to the same point no matter what decision you chose. But there does feel like there's weight in the bigger decisions that you make, which I extremely appreciated. Especially if you take a game like Life is Strange that includes the same mechanic, but does it in a way that I'm going to be honest, I think was relatively weak and not very well implemented. Like, that feels rewarding. In my opinion, that's what saves the story from just being totally blah. But still, it's like you get these really, really exciting moments where something cool happens and it just the energy goes back down so quickly. I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right. And we we can't talk about the story without talking about the decisions that you can make in this game. And 120 percent, you are correct, my dude, that the choices are so weighted like you feel like you just made a decision if you you know you threw some kids ice cream to the ground you kind of feel like a dick and these choices reflect that metaphor um and in what i'm really impressed about specifically in the avenue of decisions within the game is None of their their games leading up to this point have contained any choices whatsoever. It's just been, will you accept this mission or will you deny this mission? And so to see them go from no choices to, oh my god, everything I do makes me feel like a horrible human being is, is incredible to see. I don't want to give away too much, but there's one character with uh, one of the factions where like, Depending on one of four choices that you make, you actually have like an opportunity to kill him if you don't make the right choice. And if you accidentally kill him, you miss out on some store or like some important missions or fun missions where you get cool stuff like things like that. Or like helping one faction over another faction gives you like different items you can use. But also it like depends on the people that you help. And at the last second, like despite the fact that you've been helping these people, you can turn around and like help these other people instead. It's just, and then like those other people are like, Hey, fuck you. It can also make the main AIs in your story be super passive aggressive towards you, depending on who you assign, which facility. Correct. And story wise, I think that was incredibly well done. I just wish that like the energy didn't almost immediately die every time something crazy in the game happened. Yeah. Because I'll admit there's moments, right? There's lots of moments, but not like a perpetual, oh my God, this story is awesome. Yeah, no, there there really wasn't any of those wow factor moments like there were from the first game, at least, at least from what I played. It's certainly no Mass Effect. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and how? Czar, is there anything else you want to talk about on story before we get into the real reason people play this game? I think we should scoot away from story before we start naming spoilers. Precisely. All right. Let's talk about the gameplay. Yeah. Yeah. 
you can run up the walls and jump. Did I mention you can jump so far? Oh my and god. And you can jump and you can jump straight up and down. You can jump across things. You can <laughs> paraglide. Spoilers. Do you want to feel like Spider-Man without actually playing a Spider-Man game? Yeah, do you want the poor man Spider-Man? Play some Dying Light. Yeah, 100%. And, okay, so spoilers again, but if you played the first game and it's not too big of a spoiler, uh, there is a grappling hook in this game, and you can set a setting to expert grapple mode, so you don't have to have it equipped. You just pop a couple buttons, and you're swinging around the city. I think that's awesome. It's, yeah. It's so cool. It is. It's uh, Grappling hooks just make everything better. Yeah, and then the extra setting where it's like you can learn how to use this, but if you already know how to use this thing, go ahead and just pull it out of your inventory whenever. So, Aiden's parkour mechanics, they're not perfect, right? I'll say that there are some times where it still feels a little bit clunky, especially like if you're trying to scale a building or jump to or from something. And like there's a learning curve for sure when you're trying to figure out how far away something is or how much stamina this is going to take if you can perform something right. But once you get it down, the movement is so fucking fluid and fun. Running around is just fun. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Hundred, I agree with you again. There, that's it's so fluid, it's fun, mm-hmm. it just is exhilarating. Yeah, the poor man Spider Man, yeah, poor man Spider Man, absolutely. Um, I will say, however, some of the parkour mechanics do feel a little clunky, and they honestly feel like launch of Dying Light One. Um, sometimes Aiden won't grab a ledge that he clearly can, and it's. It just causes some weird audio bugs and, you know, just stuff that they'll fix down the line. Nothing that we can really ding it for. I find that like there's a like I said, there's definitely a learning curve to the gameplay, but like I totally agree that it could be frustrating at the beginning when you're trying to get a feel for what exactly Aiden can and can't do. But once you figure it out and once it becomes like natural, like the movement is just super fluid. And it's fun. It's just fun hopping around on places. It's fun climbing. It's fun jumping. You can jump, Peaches. Do you know? You can jump real what's good. Better than j- jumping. Actually, this that, that's what's that? that? Sorry, that that's not true. This isn't better than jumping, but it's it's good. Um, I was gonna say, what could be better than jumping? Drop kicking a motherfucker oh. and sending him flying off the rooftop of a building. Oh, it's not yeah. as good as drop it's Not kicking. as good as jumping, obviously. But damn, it feels good. Oh my god, I'm so glad you brought that up. Drop kicking is incredible. It's OP. It's so fun. Like they that move is specifically made as like, hey, we're playing a video game. Let's let's, let's have some fun with it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Along with just so parkour, like that is what Dying Light is known for. I don't think it's an extreme improvement from Dying Light 1 to Dying Light 2. But honestly, like, Dying Light 1's, I would have had the same exact complaint. So, like, if I really have any complaints, it's like, if they didn't fix anything, they must have thought it was perfect. Like, they added the stamina bar, which, was that an element in number one, Zar? Um, there was a stamina bar in the first game, 
kind of. It didn't work near. Was it like as impactful? Yeah, like it, if you ran out of stamina, you'd fall off of whatever you're climbing. But it, it didn't work quite as uh, integrated with like the combat as well as the parkour as it was in the sequel. I, I want to go into weapons first. So what do you guys think of the weapon system in Dying Light 2? The weapons that are available and then the upgrades that you can give to those weapons. Did you think it was pretty good, intuitive? What'd you think? Um, I thought it was fun to a point, but like at a, after a little bit, you know, it's like I'm not doing anything crazy after my first like two, three hours of using weapons with upgrades, you know? Like it's it's all gonna be about the same from here, you know. I don't know. I got a lot of a kick, like a kick out of like it was still fun upgrading. Yeah, finding the upgrades, picking and choosing which ones I wanted to apply because you can do up to three for some weapons. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't great. Um, needs more. What do you think of this? Ne- def- definitely needs yeah, more. Yeah, I totally. And I mean, agree. I'm I'm sure that's just early game, you know, game on launch, but. I kept cycling through the same four weapons that I'd pick up over and over and they'd just be a different rarity. And like Dying Light 1 had so many crazy weapons. Like you want to pick up some rebar? Go ahead. You want to pick up that nail board or like a frying pan? Go ahead. Everything. Yeah, I totally see what you're saying. So Dying Light 2 kind of takes RPG mechanics inspired by skill tree progression, which, I mean, it's a tried and true method, right? We've all seen skill trees in different kinds of video games. How do you guys feel like it was implemented in Dying Light 2? Do you think it was good? For the most part, it was the same as Dying Light 1, except for one specific aspect. Yeah, and what's that? What's that? It was the um, inhibitor, like the in. Mm. I can't even think of what it's called. Um, resistance meter. There we go. And it was basically how long yep. you would you could be in a dark zone before you would, you know, turn into one of the infected. Um, you could also right. level that up as a third skill tree. And anytime you got three inhibitor boosters, you could either give yourself a buff to your health or your stamina. Kind of like Breath of the Wild. You know, you mm-hmm. bring the shrine, the four things, and then you get health or stamina upgrades. And what's fantastic about that is those inhibitors, they're given to you as part of like story missions, but they're also scattered around the world, right? So along with these amazing, uh, amazing is a little too much, along with these really good parkour mechanics, like which are already rewarding and fun to do, you're also getting rewarded by exploring the world and finding these inhibitors, right? That give you these buffs. So I don't know, like that was a smart move. That was a good idea. I like how they did that. Yeah, it was it was good. Um, the one thing I'll say about the skill trees and such is there's not much to there's not really anywhere to go after you hit max cap on all of your skill trees. Like the first game had that legend skill tree. So when you completed one, you got extra XP for like Paragon skills and such. Just minor buffs. Right. Yeah, the level capping, I think, is definitely a problem with the sequel. Yeah. The other thing that I was really disappointed about is uh, I feel like they wanted your like clothing and your attire to be a lot more impactful for stats than it actually was. Like, I never noticed like any 
true benefit of what I was wearing. Anything that was like super noticeable. You know what I mean? I only look for two skills when when I'm looking at clothing, and that is uh, survivor sense duration or survivor sense range. Those are the only stats that matter to me. Right, but everything else just like didn't. I'm sure, like in the long run, like if you chose one thing, like you know, like a buff to one stat, and you chose an entire outfit to help with that, you'd see some small difference but to me i never put on an article of clothing and went oh my god that's a huge awesome improvement i just never felt that way i felt like they really wanted that to be a lot more impactful than it really was i thought they were keeping the the armor pretty tame on purpose you know like i thought they were trying to keep the armor like from being too crazy because they're not trying to make like a fantasy game where you get a legendary piece of armor in your op you know yeah I mean, you could say that's true, but when you don't see much of a difference between a piece of armor that they say is level one versus one that they say is like level six or seven, like, and especially when like some of them have like the same stats based on the rarity system. Like, I see the point that you're definitely trying to make, Peaches. I'm just saying that like, like, especially in late game, you could have made that more impactful. Yeah, no, you're right, JP. Like, I I picked up some like blue item rarity and it, it had the same level of stat, like 11% in like comparison to some legendary piece of clothing that I had. And it's just, it, it's a little frustrating. There definitely needs to be some more balancing done. Right. All right. With, in regards to gameplay slash the game mechanics, there's one more thing I want to talk to you boys about. And it's my favorite thing about the Dying Light franchise. How did you feel about going out at night? Ooh. Chess. I don't know why you're starting with me. I'm a very brave boy. <laughs> I, you, you know. I'm, you know why I'm starting with you. Where's my treat? I've been a very brave little boy. And I deserve a treat. <laughs> um, now, it was, it was definitely really spooky. And then, you know, I kind of got more and more used to it. Um, but uh, right away, like right off the bat, it is like for like my first three or four hours of the game, I was like, you know, I'm just going to do stuff during the daytime. I don't mind. Like, and I would try to like go clear like quarantine zones during the daytime because I didn't want to go out at night. But night is where you find the best stuff and you get the here's what I love about the game. Here's what's genius. They reward you so much more for exploring at night than they do for exploring during the day. Because at night is where everything awful fucking happens. (laughs) You've got the, I don't even know what they're called. You've got the screamers in the streets, which if if they start a chase is fucking horrifying. Yeah, the chase mechanic I thought was pretty crazy. It feels like a GTA or like Saints Row chase. And it's, I think it's a lot of fun. It is, but it's also very scary. I think the chase in this felt like it had more stakes than any chase I've ever done in Saints Row or Grand Theft Auto. It definitely, yeah, the stakes are death. That's the stakes. That's fair. That's fair. You're not, you're well, not. like, I'm not in a car, like, and I, I can't, like, just outrun the cops by pulling a sweet 180 U-turn and, you know, going to hide behind a house somewhere, you know? It's like, I gotta, like, they're, they're chasing me until I get to a safe spot. Those chases get really intense because you're running on rooftops, you're running in the street, and, like, 
zombies will just come crashing out of windows from above you and like land in front of you, creating obstacles that you have to deal with immediately. And like if you if you mess up a jump, like damn, does it feel fucking terrifying? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So Dying Light has always excelled at that. Going out at night fucking sucks. Um, on top of that, like, they did some more game time, or like, nighttime game mechanics, and they added a lot more compared to Dying Light 1. For example, the stores that you can access at night. Now, technically, you can access the stores during the day as well, but what's genius is they actually punish you for doing that by infesting the place with all of the infected if you go during the day. So they're like, well, you could just come back at night when there's hardly anybody here. But then obviously the new challenge is just getting to the store. So then you gotta gotta have to like juggle your obstacles. Do you want to be terrified now or do you want to be terrified later? (laughs) I like how you put that terrified now or later. Yeah, no, they did that really, really well. And the greater push towards uh, getting players out in the game at night was so well done in this game. I agree. And it just feels a lot better. Um, I have one complaint, and my complaint is actually also a compliment in a weird way. So I think the coolest thing that they added to nighttime mode compared to Dying Light 1 is Anomaly Zombies. Yeah. I think that was a phenomenal idea. My complaint about that is, and by the way, the Anomaly Zombies are like special hard to kill zombies that only appear at night in specialized areas and they have the ability to resurrect zombies that you've already killed so you've just got tons of zombies after you trying to kill this fucker that's just jumping around but if you do manage to kill him there's lots of great rewards yeah yeah that was definitely a fun addition um one thing i didn't like about it was i wish there was more more different kinds of anomalies that they made. Yes! That was my complaint. Because when they say anomaly, and I'm like, oh, I already know what it is because I fought this thing five other times, and the game's just like, what could it be? It's a mystery zombie. Dude, yes. Yes, that was a huge missed opportunity. If they had made different designs of these anomaly zombies, that would have been Phenomenal. The icing on the cake. Like, it's still a cool inclusion. They're fun to do, but still. Well, especially the the DLC from the first game. They had those random giant zombie anomaly bosses out in the wild. Like, there was a giant toad zombie. There was a giant normal zombie. A giant tank. You know, you get you get it. I I don't know why they didn't do that for the sequel. Yeah, I really don't either. It's, I don't know, like, in a lot of ways, Dying Light 2 feels like they did take some steps forward, but in other areas, they took several steps back. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so real quick, there is something else I wanted to talk about here. The crafting. Now that ah. is is a huge topic, but we'll try to keep that down to a minimum. I loved it. I thought the crafting was a huge step up from the first game the ability to craft multiple things at once and just hold the button down to craft is simple and very very effective in the immersion of the game 
and it makes it allows players to craft much quicker and actually gives you a reason to use the damn crafting system to begin with. And you also have a lot of items depending on how you like to play too. like, you know, some people like, you know, you get those encounters every once in a while where it's like a bunch of zombies around a tank that have some inhibitors that you want or whatever, right? Well, you've got a lot of different options on how you want to engage depending on what items you want to craft. Like if you're the one who just wants to go balls to the wall in and just start killing everything, craft yourself one of the like that gun awesome thing or like some different Molotov cocktails. For me, I like to stand on the rooftop where it's safe. So what I'll do is I'll get like the firecracker thing that just makes noise, throw it down there, shoot a propane tank and the rest is history. <laughs> like it caters to play style. That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. That's cool. Yeah, and there's so many avenues we could talk about on where they cater to different play styles. But I think we can just simply leave it at they did it well. I agree. I, it, it was snappy. You know, I it was snappy. There's not much more else to, to say about a crafting system. Like a crafting system is one of those things where it's so rudimentary that when it's done well, there's not a whole lot to say, but if it's done poorly, there's a lot to be said. You yeah, know what I mean? Definitely. Uh, one thing I didn't like about the crafting, though, is uh, especially for the weapon mods, it was identical across the board. Like you need X amount mm-hmm. of this, X amount of this, X amount of this. And that was the same across every single mod that you wanted to create an upgrade. I I just don't know why they defaulted to everything is the same to make. I wanted I wanted some more collection, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. No, I totally agree. A bigger diversity in what you're able to collect would have been cool and made like searching for stuff seem like kind of less the, of a drag. Like searching for stuff is so snappy now that it's not even that big of a deal. Right. But okay. You, still you, quick tip. You need those uh, uncommon zombie tokens, right? And you need a fuckload of them. Yeah. You remember those stores you had mentioned earlier about going to at night? Go to them during the day and just fill it with explosives. And that's how you that's how you get those uncommon tokens. See, I farm them by starting a chase, but then I go to one of the forts that have UV lights outside and I just unfairly start swiping at them and then back up when they try and get mm, me. Mm. I've also heard of sky skyscraper fishing with zombies, so uh, that apparently is a thing. Yeah. Using explosives and and zombies from afar, because they'll never start a, ch- a zombie won't ever start a chase if you're a certain height in in the sky. I guess I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. All right, so this has been a really interesting conversation about a really interesting game. That's that's the word for Dying Light 2, in my opinion, is it's just interesting. There are some areas where it just falls flat on its face, but there are some areas where it excels and there's not a lot of areas that just kind of hit that middle. You know, that's what's weird about this game. So, Czar Peaches, I'm curious if you had to give this game a score out of 10, what would you give it? I'm going to give some Bill Belichick esque final thoughts. Love it. You know, we're on to Borderlands, uh, Tiny Tina's uh, Wonderlands, you know? I'm on to the next thing. This thing, Dying Light 2 isn't going to hold me up, stop me from playing that. So, I'd give it 7 out of 10. 
Okay. Huh, that's a little lower than I thought. I could I could see it. Ooh. Okay, that's fair. Zara, what about you? Well, I there's there's a lot good with this game. There's a lot wrong with this game, but it's really hard to tell what will be fixed eventually. And I mean, I I did kind of play the first Dying Light close to launch. And by the time I stopped playing Dying Light 1 to play the sequel, they were vastly different games. Um, And so I got to take that into account that this game is going to be entirely different and probably for the better. Um, I I did think it was going to be game of the year material, and I still do. So I think I got to give it about like an... 9.2 9.2 just because I know it is wow that's it's, high. it's gonna hold my attention for years it's gonna hold my attention longer than the first one if they add it the the stuff necessary to make this game stand the test of time okay interesting what about you so I want to love this game so much And I'm not 100% in love with it, but when I play it, I do have fun. And that's what's important is like, despite the fact that I'm a person that with my video games, the thing I love the most is the story and the characters, right? I got to admit that Dying Light 2's gameplay is so fun, in my opinion, that it makes up a little bit for those factors. Along with like the choices of the story, it's just that feel impactful. It makes it feel like playing this game is not for nothing. There's enough material here to say that Dying Light 2 is fun. But game of the year material, that is bold, my friend. I'm giving this game a 7.9 out of 10. Ooh. So it kind of the middle road between you two. Yeah, a lot of like 7 out of 10. I could totally see someone justifying big range there. 9.2 out of 10 is yeah, 9.2 out of 10, in my opinion, is a little I, gracious, I, but it's your it's your opinion. Yeah, you know, I could I could bump it from like 8.8 to 9.2 anywhere in that range, depending on what kind of day I've had playing it. Yeah, I could totally see that. But <laughs> like I said, the important thing is I've had fun playing the game. Absolutely. It doesn't do everything I want it to do, but I'm glad I spent money on it. It's been holding my attention. I've been having a good time. I want to beat it. Do it. Do it. Oh, yeah. Regret your choices like me. Oh, buddy, I regretted my choices way before I started playing this game. (laughs) Oh. All right, boys, we are at about the one hour mark. It is 830 at night. I'm exhausted. What do you say we wrap this up? Zar, have fun trying to edit this before Saturday. All right. Thank you all for listening. And thank you all so much for joining us on another episode of the Game Tea Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. You just got your game tea. Bye. If you like what you heard today and you're looking for more ways to get your game tea fixed, check us out on Patreon. With bronze, silver, and gold tiers starting at $2 a month, there are several incredible rewards you can receive for supporting the show, such as a follow from us on Twitter, access to a monthly Q&A session, an invitation to our private Discord server, and even bonus episodes of the podcast only accessible to patrons. Your donations will be used to make the show even better. The link to Patreon is in the description with our social media, so go check it out. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Game Tea Podcast.